0: I want you to turn in your Bibles for a few moments this evening to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to look at the first three verses, and I actually picked up, as I left the house, picked up my NIV here, but the rest of the verses are in my regular translation. But uh, I want to read these, out, of and it, it's fine, even if it's the normal translation, it's fine, it's, it'll be very close. But as we look at this this evening, I want to share some truths with you tonight about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are beautiful. Are they not beautiful? All the gifts of the Holy Spirit are beautiful. And they're beautiful when they're, when they're in operation uh, th- in, in the proper way. Paul is dealing with something tonight. It's really a, a warning of something that he actually gets into a little deeper as he goes on in a few chapters there. But we want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk and just teach a little bit. Not that there's any issues here, but I was I was studying out of here. In fact, I preached many messages out of the book of 1 Corinthians. And it is really the most personal book that we have in the Bible. We know more about these folks than any other group of people in the Bible. They're the ones that gave Paul the greatest headache, but he loved them very deeply and uh, and I trust that. Uh, well, I know that his ministry there was very effective, and he he just loved these people very much. And so he deals with something here, and let's read it together. I'll read it out of this translation, whatever you have there. Be very close. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses one through three. He says, "Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant." Then he says, for you know, for you know that when you were pagans, somehow you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. They were idol worshipers. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. He's talking about when, when the Spirit of God is operating a certain message will go forth. A certain message will always go forth. It will have a certain quality to it. It will have a certain character to it. And certainly, those that are speaking by the Spirit of God never, will never say, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. That's the, great, that's the great confession of the church, that Jesus is Lord. And then he says here, except no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. We'll end our reading there and just bless the Lord, bless the reading of the word as you've already prayed. I want to speak just a few minutes on potential dangers surrounding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the the Corinthian church as we have gone through many weeks, actually 23 weeks, this is the 24th message in this series and I, I took a break for a while and But I want to talk about some things that Paul says here about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the church in Corinth was facing some problems. And the problems, what the the problems were doing, it was tearing at the unity of the church, but it was also tearing at the effectiveness of the ministry of the church. And one of those areas of problem areas was Paul dealing with the spiritual gifts and how they were operating within the church. Now I want to make a statement here. And I want you to listen to this statement because I I, I believe that what I'm gonna to read to you and, and say to you in this message and in this statement is it really governs how the Holy Spirit wants to operate. No matter what the gift is. How I many you know there's many gifts? There's more than there's more than twelve gifts or eight gifts or nine gifts. There's many, many gifts in the body. And and there's different places in scripture where the Lord talks about gifts, leadership gifts spiritual manifestation gifts, uh, there's practical gifts, many, many anointings of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm going to say about your gift, my gift, any gift, and that's this. No gift, no ability, no endowment of the Holy Spirit should ever be abused or create controversy in the body of Christ. And there's nothing in that statement that anyone should disagree with. Also, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are intended to bless, to build, and to inspire. But see, that's not what was happening in the Corinthian church. Now, I've been, I, I'm, I'm very blessed at how God anoints people. And, and we're the recipients of how God has anointed people. God, listen, the Lord has anointed every person here to be a positive spiritual influence in the church. Do you know if the Holy Spirit is is in your life, flowing properly in your life, that you're going to be a positive influence on the church? There's just absolutely no doubt about that because God's called you and I to be builders. But that's not what was happening in the Corinthian church. In fact, what was happening is the Corinthian church were abusing the gifts of the Spirit. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. He's God. He's perfect in every way. But he flows through us, imperfect vessels. And so we need to make sure that we line up with the word of God in our way, that we, way we flow in the gifts and in the character of our hearts. And so as I look at this, this had to be a big issue in the church. And I think it's even bigger than we can imagine because, of course, we're 2,000 years almost away from what was happening there. But for the apostle, the great apostle Paul, to take three whole chapters to speak to this church, it had to be a huge issue that was causing negativity and it was causing the ministry to be ineffective. So let's, let me take a moment. Let's talk about what the Holy Spirit the history of the ministry of the gifts and endowments of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't start in the New Testament. In fact, it starts way back in the Old Testament. Second verse in the Bible talks about God, the Holy Spirit, hovering there in part of creation. But here's what I want you to see. in and, and that, In the Old Testament, God foretold that there would be a special time... A very special time, a dispensation, and from Old Testament vantage point, the prophets pointed to a future dispensation where the Holy Spirit would be poured out in a very unique way and in a very wonderful way. Can I tell you, we are in that age right now. But some scholars have called it the age of the Holy Spirit. You are more blessed than any Old Testament prophet, no better or any Old Testament believer. We are so blessed. We are in the days of the spiritual blessing of God that the prophets spoke of. Joel, he said, it shall come to pass. I will pour out my spirit in the last days. Your sons will prophesy. Your, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Also, my, uh, my maidservants and on my servants, maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We are in those days. We're in those days. And we fast forward from the Old Testament prophets to the time where Jesus came. And then Jesus came, and one of the major emphasis of teaching in his life was the Holy Spirit. He was getting us ready. He was getting his people ready. He was getting the apostles ready. He was getting the early believers ready. Holy Spirit is coming in a very unique way. He taught in John 14 about the person of the Holy Spirit, about who he is. And and this revelation that he's not just an impersonal force, but he was telling them that the Holy Spirit is a person. John 16, he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in conviction and and in dealing with people. He he shows how the Holy Spirit will work. And then Jesus even talked about special signs that were going to come. And these signs shall follow those who believe. They will speak with new tongues. They'll cast out devils. And even supernatural protection under certain circumstances when God's people are going out. And even if they drink poison, it will not harm them. And we, we know that those things happened. We were even in India, and we had a testimony of our, our interpreter and how that God saved him from poison. He didn't actually drink it, but he saved him from that. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit can protect us? Hallelujah. And then Jesus got them ready, and he says, I want you to expect this power. I want you to expect this in doom. I want you to expect this baptism in some of the very last words of Jesus. I mean, if you're about to die and, and you're on your deathbed in a sense, I mean, you're not wasting words. I can tell you the Son of God did not waste words. Jesus did not waste words. What were his last words? You know what they were? Acts 1 and 5. It says, but you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the other most parts of the earth, to the very ends of the earth. Last words. And all of a sudden, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, as he... Poured was poured out upon the 120. As he was supernaturally manifested to the 120, this was that beginning. This was the breaking of the dam, if you will. And we can, we can go through, and maybe one of these days, I'll, I'll, I'll do a history of the move of the Holy Spirit up into our modern day. Through Azusa, through the great healing revivals, God's Spirit has been poured out. And we want his Spirit. We in no way want to hinder what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And he fulfilled, God fulfilled all those promises. And he's still, he's still fulfilling the promises. He's fulfilled it in my life and he's fulfilling it in your life. And if you're a Christian and you've never received the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is such a blessed thing. My grandson in, at camp a couple of weeks ago was filled with the Holy Spirit. Would manifested God's spiritual language and I'm so grateful for the seal of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you grateful to see God lead your kids into the Holy Spirit? I would say that very strongly. Lead your kids into an experience with God, the Holy Spirit, because there are dark spirits that are trying to access their lives. They need the seal of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. I've seen it. It works. He works. He keeps them. The seal of the Holy Spirit. There's something about a young person filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's like, it's like there's a purity. There's a light. There's a protection over them. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is our kid's protector? Interesting thing is that before Pentecost, God, the Holy Spirit, would work in certain ways. Now think about this. This is glorious. Think about how that the Holy Spirit would anoint a Samson or a Samuel. Or a David. He anointed certain individuals. But listen, there's something very unique about the age that we live in. And the unique thing is this, that in this age, every single believer can have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every single believer can experience the great power of God. The unique thing about this dispensation is this, that the anointing is poured out on a whole new priesthood, and that priesthood is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, every single believer, every single one. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy priesthood unto God, a chosen priesthood. You've been anointed to do the work, gospel work, and to build into the building of the church. God always equips his people, he always has, and he still does that today by the Holy Spirit. As we look through the, the teaching on the Holy Spirit, and then Paul comes as the great apostle, and he teaches about the gifts of the Spirit. Much of what we know is because of Paul. About the particulars of the endowments, the outpourings, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul talked about the power of the Spirit in the believer's life. Romans 8, tremendous, amazing. I mean, up until, and you go through Romans, Romans 1 through 7, Holy Spirit's mentioned a couple times. Chapter 1 verse 4, chapter 5 verse 5, that's it, two times. You get to chapter 8, the Holy Spirit's mentioned 19 times. I mean, the gates flow open, the power of the Holy Spirit giving us the power to live for God. You can live for God. We can live for God because God can empower you. Paul talked about the struggle of the Holy Spirit against our flesh in in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes to where we are here in this chapter and several others about the spiritual gifts. Here in this chapter down. We're not going to get to those today. But as you go on down. The word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. These spiritual gifts. Some have called them the manifestation gifts. And then you have Romans 12. Some have called those motivation gifts. Compassion and giving. You know giving is a spiritual gift? It's amazing. And then prophecy. Prophecy. Prophecy a little different than the First Corinthians prophecy, but in the same realm. But but a prophetic person, there are prophetic people that have a prophetic anointing. And then you have Ephesians seven, gifted leadership, doma gifts the, that that he God or he Jesus gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. What are those? Those are gifted men to lead the church. And Paul talked about these. So it's unmistakable. I mean, it's, it's, the scriptures are full of teaching on spiritual gifts. It's unmistakable that God has available for us spiritual endowments, spiritual gifts and anointings so that we can do the work of Christ and preach the gospel and reach this world for Jesus Christ. But think about this. Just as if in the natural realm, if you gave someone in the secular world, let's say, if you gave them a gift, and you put it into their hands, they can use it properly, they can use it in a mature way, or they can abuse it. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. When the Lord gives gifts to us, He puts them in our hands, and He anoints us, and we can use them properly, maturely, for the best use and for the most edification, and for the most, for the for the glory of God, the gifts are not to glorify any human being. If any person is seeking limelight and to use their gift and to be the you know all this and that and the catch me, yeah, it's not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit exalts no human being, only one, the Man Christ Jesus, and that's what the Spirit of God does. It exalts the Lord, and it brings blessing, and it brings sweetness. And I have seen the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow in the most humble vessels, the sweetest, the most godly, the most glorious way. And you left You You're left feeling like you had stepped into heaven. Why? Because when it flows in the right way, it's so beautiful. And that's what the Lord wants. Believers do not always use spiritual gifts wisely. Certainly the Corinthians did not. But there's several reasons that they can be abused. And I won't be too long here. But let's just talk just a few minutes about some of the dangers that he deals with in these three little verses. He deals with three dangers. One, he deals with the dangers of simply being ignorant of spiritual gifts. Secondly, he deals in verse 2 about the danger of being carried away into kind of a false kind of worship. Third, verse He deals with speaking a false message. He that speaks, he said in the the third verse. And then he talks about the Lord. He that speaks by the Spirit of the Lord speaks a certain way. The danger of speaking truth, but speaking it not under the Lordship of Christ. He can only say this by the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of the Lord. So let's deal with the first one quickly. First danger is this, simply being ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, notice this. I do not want you to be ignorant. Actually, if your Bible says gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts is not in the original scriptures. It really is spirituals. But, I mean, it's correct interpretation, you know. I guess the, the translators want to interpret a little bit there. But spiritual, the spiritual movements of God, the spiritual manifestations of God, these gifts... We would define them as spiritual gifts, which are what? Which are abilities given by God. Now understand this. When the Lord speaks of spiritual gifts, these are not natural gifts that you kind of develop since childhood. No, they're not natural gifts. These that Paul is going to deal with, especially in this chapter, these are spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit to minister the gospel and minister in the church. Let me, let's. I mentioned these, so I won't read them. I won't go through those. But Paul said this concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you to be ignorant. So, a person can be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And it grieves my heart. I think there are literally millions of people that go to certain kinds of churches that have maybe gone to those churches all of their lives, and their ministers have never taught them about the gifts of the Spirit how they function, how they're available, what they are, how they're defined, how people in the Bible, examples were used by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's some people that simply are ignorant. They're unlearned about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They just don't know. They've never been taught. And then then there's another way. I think there's some people that know that they're spiritual gifts, but they don't know their gift. In other words, they believe, yeah, I believe in spiritual gifts because pastor, the Bible says it, I just don't have a clue what God wants me to do. You'd be surprised how many people are like that. They just don't know what the gifts of God is for them. And then there's this third group that really the Corinthians fall into that they know their spiritual gifts, they're flowing in spiritual gifts, but they're abusing it. And it's not helping the witness of the church, but it's harming the witness of the church. So what's the answer? What's the answer to the ignorance And the answer to ignorance is just the knowledge of the Word of God. The knowledge of the Word of God. We need the knowledge of the Word of God, and we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need the knowledge of the Word of God. We need to learn what the Bible says about these miraculous, wonderful, powerful, glorious gifts, and we need to learn what our particular gift is. The Lord will show you. You know, I know there's these gift tests, but you don't need a gift test. The Lord can show you. The Lord, if you will get down and yield yourself to God, he'll begin to use you in these gifts. The Bible says this, Be diligent to present yourself approved in God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Study, the King James said, to show yourself approved. Study, be diligent to give yourself to the word of God and learn about these things. Don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. 2 Corinthians 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. And and we need to hunger after the word of God. So one of the dangers is just simply being ignorant of spiritual gifts. Whole congregations... Ignorant of spiritual gifts. They don't know what a word of knowledge is, from a word of wisdom to a tongue to an interpretation to a prophecy to a miracle to gifts of healing. They don't know those gifts. They just don't know. They've never had their ministers teach them about these things. And that's that's a danger. The second danger is found in verse 1. It says, For you know that you were Gentiles, notice this, carried away, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, You can always know the spirit behind something by what it produces. Now I want to say that again. You can always know what is behind, what spirit is involved by what it produces. If it is the Holy Spirit, it's going to produce His life. If what we're purporting to be the gifts of the Spirit, you know, God did this, this was God, this was the Holy Spirit. If it is the Holy Spirit, it's going to have His fingerprint on it. It's going to have His life in it. What is that life? It's going to have a spirit of brokenness in it. It's going to have a spirit of humility and love and truth and order and righteousness and holiness involved in it. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to have His life. If it's the flesh, if it's a demon spirit, it's going to produce the opposite. It's going to have pride in it somewhere. It's going to have disorder in it. It's going to have division in it. It's going to have a self-centeredness in it. It's going to point to human beings and not to the glorious Christ. You can know something, what spirit it's of, by what it produces. Now, think about this. Many of these Corinthians were saved out of idolatry. They were saved, and I know why I brought this translation, because this had the translation pagans. You were pagans. And I like that. These Corinthians were saved out of idolatry, dark, dark paganism. They had been pagans. Now they're Christians. But they hadn't hadn't been out of paganism long, just about one step out. They had worshipped idols, and now they're worshipping the one true God. They were worshipping dumb, mute idols that had nothing to say. And now they're worshiping the great one true God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is moving mightily and He's moving greatly. They had once been carried away and led by demon spirits. Carried away because behind every idol is a demon spirit. Hear that? Behind every idol, behind idol worship, there's always a demon spirit that deceives a person. I heard a, a wonderful, I heard a, one of the most powerful testimonies. Alicia sent me a link to a testimony today that I watched in its entirety. One of the most powerful testimonies of God's saving mercy that I have ever heard on an individual. This young man got into new age and a demon spirit took over his life. And he tells the story of how he was trying to seek God. He even told God... He even said, "God, uh, show yourself to me." But a demon spirit came in and began to deceive him. He picked up a book at the bookstore and began to immerse himself in. This young man o- literally opened himself up to a demon spirit. It's one of the most powerful testimonies that I've ever heard. But he met a young lady where he worked that was a bona fide Christian. I mean, those bona fide Christians can drive out demons. You have power over the enemy. The enemy doesn't have power over you. And this Christian young lady befriended him. And she began to witness to him. But really, more than anything, just began to live for God in front of him. And through a through about a year and a half time, he was, he started to seek, he he started seeking after God, but he started seeking in the wrong places. He got a hold of a book, and I won't even tell you what the book is because I don't want you to read it, but he got in it and literally opened himself up to it. It wasn't just like he read it. He literally began to seek this, and it opened him up, and a spirit, a demon spirit took over his life, and, and, and crazy things began to happen. You say, you believe that? I absolutely believe it because something that was said, and it resonated in my heart, and that's this. This is what was said. This gentleman said this. He said, the line between the physical and the spiritual world is very thin. And you know what? That is the truth. But through a series of events, this spirit began to take over. This spirit began to tell him there's no hell, there's, 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 you're going to come, there's no, you, you'll come back. He was truly believed in reincarnation. He believed that in a lot of crazy stuff that's absolutely against this. Listen, if the spirit, if any spirit speaks in any way against this book, it is a demon spirit. It's a deceiving spirit. This is absolute truth right here. And what that demon spirit did is deceive him and begin to speak actually things that were against the word of God. And a long deal that happened that literally the whole thing he he was shaken to his core thought he was going to die ran after it's a long it's about a 2 hour message and this young man ran down to the house where this young lady lived went in there these are I'm sure they're pentecostal folks spirit filled christians and this young man gets saved gloriously saved all, drove all the demons out he gets saved today he's a he's a a glorious preacher. I saw the altars filled with lost people as he gave a call to Christ. And it was um, the, the transforming power of the gospel is amazing. But I can tell you this the line between the physical and the spirit world is very thin. And there are people in our own community that have gotten in things that demon spirits have gotten a hold of their lives through new age, through, through deep, dark wickedness. The enemy has got a a dark force controls their life, and they don't know how to get out. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know what we know. They want to get out. There's people crying to get out, but these dark spirits have control of their life. But we have the answer. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel can drive any demon out. The blood of Jesus can can cleanse any soul. And these, but before that, these. These Corinthians had been carried away, it says, carried away into false worship, demon spirits. But now the Corinthians are under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, the religions of of that day, the pagan religions, they, they fell into trances. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. They would speak in tongues, not the Holy Spirit, though. They would have ecstatic utterances. They would prophesy and speak about future things. Not the Holy Spirit. Those were demon spirits. You always know about what it produces. So the Corinthians were free. Maybe just one step out of all this. Save now. Spirit of God's moving. And apparently what happened is somebody was counterfeiting the Spirit. The gifts probably were counterfeiting the gifts or or misusing the gifts or there was a pride spirit that came in. Some of them felt superior, which the Holy Spirit never gives us that feeling. See, what we need to understand is this. We need to ask ourselves, is the way that we're worship, worshiping, is it according to the truth of the word of God? Number one. And number two, is it being led by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said this, God is spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and must worship him in truth. So we have to be very careful to not be carried away into some kind of false thing that's not the Holy Spirit. Quickly. Third is this, the danger of speaking a false message. Verse 3 says this, that no one speaking that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus cursed. No one speaking. He's talking about speaking now. Now some of the Corinthians maybe had Maybe it's spoken in tongues, and maybe there was an interpretation. I don't know. Now I added that, so I don't know what's going on there. But apparently, this false thing that had been spoken was dealing with Jesus as Lord. What Paul is dealing with here is someone had given some kind of false message that contradicted that Jesus is Lord. So it may have been something like this. Someone might have spoke up and said, Jesus is cursed or accursed, Paul said in no uncertain terms, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would never say anything like that. William McDonald, in his commentary, says this if, if a man says Jesus is cursed, you can, you can be sure that it is, a, it is demon inspired because evil spirits characteristically blaspheme and curse. The name of Jesus. See, evil spirits hate Jesus. Terrified of Jesus, they want want to dishonor him and discredit him. So what we must do is speak the truth by the Spirit of God. We don't need to speak a false message. We need to speak the truth. The world needs the truth of the gospel coming from anointed lives and anointed lips to speak that Jesus is Lord and the Savior of the world. That's what we need. So we need to proclaim the truth. And I would say this to you. We need to, we need to be very careful to guard ourselves. Not to get under someone, someone's ministry that has a false gift. Or a counterfeit gift. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And I've seen it. We're seeing it happen now. People that get under the influence, and Jesus spoke about this a lot. Be careful how you hear. Be careful what you hear. Beware of false prophets. Here's what I'm going to tell you happens when someone gets under someone with a counterfeit gift. There comes deception and distortion. Their lives get deceived and things get out of whack. You always know the spirit of something by what it produces. Here's what what John said. And I'm almost done. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they're of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, by by this you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is Christ, has come in the flesh, is of God. Every spirit, in other words, every spirit anointed person that that speaks so-called under the spirit, that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is the spirit of, say it with me, Antichrist. Which you have heard it was coming and now already is in, already in the world. That spirit. 1 Timothy says, chapter 4, verse 1. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Say it. Deceiving spirits. And what? Doctrines of demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared. With a hot iron. Lastly, let me say this to you: this, the fourth danger that Paul deals with is in verse uh, three, latter part. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The word Lord there is kurios. You know what that means? That means this: that it's Jesus is God Himself. He's Jehovah. Jesus is the sovereign Lord of the universe. And to call Jesus Lord, first of all, is to acknowledge his deity. He's not just a man among religious men. He is God. Fully God. As the Father's God, as the Holy Spirit's God, fully God in every way. He's God of God. Part of the deity, part of the Godhead. And when the Holy Spirit truly works in a person's life. Now think about this. Because anyone can just say Jesus is Lord. We're not talking about just saying Jesus is Lord. Right. We're talking about acknowledging, acknowledging his lordship. Now think about this. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're not, it's not empty profession. What Paul is dealing with here. Is people who have acknowledged Jesus, have surrendered their hearts, all that they are, all that they are, everything that they are, all that they will ever be, they have surrendered their life to Christ's Lordship. They've come under His saving grace. They've yielded toward His holiness and righteousness. And they're moving in the gifts of the Spirit. See? Not just empty, but, but a life full of His Lordship. Think about this. I conclude with this. What Jesus is saying. Here's this. To saying Jesus is Lord does not mean to merely mouth the words. It means to be stirred within the heart by the Spirit of God. To confess that one's life belongs to Jesus as Lord. It means to give everything that a person is and has to Christ. Acknowledging Him as the sovereign, majestic Lord of the universe. The very Son of God Himself. And so apparently what's happening here is that some of the Christians are trying to speak and move in the gifts of the Spirit, but it has a hollowness to it. Because Jesus, they're not living for God. They're not living under His Lordship. Paul was concerned about the witness of the church in the world. He was concerned about how the world was perceiving the Corinthian church. He wanted the gifts of the Spirit to flow in such a glorious and a beautiful way that through their holy, humble group of believers, that the message of the gospel would go forth and reverberate throughout Corinth and lives would be impacted because they would say, God is among them. Those are real people. Amen. So that's what Paul deals with. Won't we stand? Thank you, Father, for your mercies. Thank you, Father, for your mercies. Just pray with me a moment. Father, we just give you praise. We give you our worship today. We thank you for your wonderful mercies. Thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Lord, we don't want in any way, in any way to be a hindrance to the work of the Holy Spirit of God. We want to confess your Lordship in In our lives, oh God, Lord, we stumble and fail in many ways, but we ask that the blood of Christ would cleanse our lives, would cleanse our church, that we, Lord, would be vessels ready for you to use in your wonderful gifts. And I think, church, I think that is a great way to pray, that right there where you are, just ask God to make you his vessel for his glory Somebody needs your, the gift of the Spirit that God's going to anoint you with. Someone needs that ministry, whatever it is. And ask the Lord right there where you are to prepare your heart because you're about to be used of God. So, Father, we ask you to fill each of our lives with your Holy Spirit. We ask you to, as the Timothy says, let us be vessels, mead and ready for the Master's use sanctify our hearts, humble us Lord, let us humble our own hearts before you, that when the gifts of the Spirit flow through us they will flow through vessels that are so full of mercy so full of brokenness and and so full of not vain glory and empty conceit but Lord to flow through lives that are so yielded to you that you get all the honor and all the praise. And, and when, when we're moved on by the Holy Spirit, whether it's a word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophecy, miracle, healing, tongue, interpretation of tongue, whatever it is, when, when they experience God's life through your church, the first thing they say is how, how wonderful Jesus is. How glorious Jesus is, because we have been very cautious to deflect everything to you, because we're nothing, and you're everything. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you slip a hand up and just praise him, just offer him the glory. right before we leave this place, Icarabayabarata, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the glory. As I dismiss you from this place, I want you and I want us to begin to expect, as we pray and we ask God to fill us, I want you to begin to expect and yield yourself to God, Watch him use you. Watch him use you. Amen, church? So, Lord, we expect that. And I ask you to bless your people. Keep keep your hand upon this work of ministry. Give us many souls. Meet, Lord, meet with us on Sunday in a very glorious way. Get all the glory. And we ask it in that wonderful, glorious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight as you're dismissed.